Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast. Ooh, this has been a week. Yeah, we <laughs> we got back to school. Yeah, we got our, our daughter so far. We, it's kind of like we're back to school. It's just two days and it's from 8.30 in the morning to 1.30, just two days a week. And... I'll say leading up to it was a lot of what is this worth it? Like, what are we doing exactly? What is, what is this? My son doesn't even start till next week. And he also only will start for two days during those times. And summer's approaching, which is just wild to finally be getting back to school and know that in a month's time, we'll be right back where we were. There's also emotion around bringing my daughter who's seven back to school. You know, she got pulled out of school in her first year at school. She didn't even make it a whole year. And so it's emotional. It was to imagine dropping her off again, like the first day of school all over again. I think we were all really feeling it. And then it was great. I mean, really <laughs> like the spaciousness suddenly I guess I can put it this way that part of why I think my wife and I have, have been able to stay together this long is because there were so many years where she was working a day job and I was working a night job <laughs> and we just didn't have to be around each other. We joke about it and it's true. The proximity this year, it's been confronting to say the least and trying and wonderful in some ways to get this really special time with my kids at their ages, but to get a little space this week was a big deal. In fact, my daughter, this is good proof of what it feels like to be around each other during this time. She actually wrote me a note last night after saying at one point in the day with sarcasm, my seven-year-old daughter can say things with dripping sarcasm. She said, I'm so excited to be back distance learning with dad tomorrow. Um, she's not excited, but it went pretty well today, actually, because there's space. We're not doing it every day. And I know there's versions of people that haven't been back at school yet. And, and there's people that don't have kids. And there's people that are like, what are you blathering about? Stop complaining. Uh, I acknowledge all of you. I'm just wanting to share about this significant week during this significant year. But anyway, at the end of the day yesterday, my daughter wanted to write me a note. I play music a lot. I just like to have it playing. I like it to have it in the background as a soundtrack to my emotional experience of being alive. I might also not like to be in the silence. I think it's both of those things. But my daughter wrote me this note. <laughs> I don't like your music, Papa. I'm bored of it. She actually <laughs> she actually wrote that note. Uh, but I just smiled and took a big breath and felt grateful for her powerful being in the world. And for a week when we finally got a taste of what it might be like, and I say might because I'm always approaching things during this year, I'm sure you can relate with trepidation, nothing is sure, such is life. But what a different kind of week this has been. And the big breath, the big inhale and exhale, lots this last week or so especially with the yoga I'm trying to do and the meditation, just feeling the breath, even at every starting point for any of my workshops and any of our events, there's this chance I feel like I never made or created time for before to just breathe. 
And so a fitting, albeit maybe dramatic transition into introducing today's guest, Jennifer Patterson. I'm really loving all the conversations I'm getting to have with people. And I know you know that already if you've been listening to the show, but it's just cool having people saying yes to the things I care about and passionately, and then be able to have them come and share what they're passionate about and the meeting of those two realities. It's such a special thing to share in this medium. And also what I'm enjoying is the surprises. I knew that Jennifer Patterson does work in, in breath and, and trauma and certainly read a bunch and had a bunch of questions to ask her and was really excited about it. And as I was doing a lot of my research in preparation for this conversation, it was so cool to find out she does a lot of facilitation of the similar spaces um, like we do, especially, particularly the writing workshops. And so this conversation was really great for all those reasons to make a new friend, but also to learn a lot. In fact, a couple of the books that Jennifer references in her own writing and that we talk about in the episode um, and in our conversation together, I bought almost immediately. And one of them I'm deep into and almost like a really good book, especially nonfiction, where it's a resource for what you're doing in the world. I'm just taking the slowest time getting through it because I feel like I'll read a chapter or even just a page and I'll need to just sit with it for a week. And the book I'm I'm reading right now is Writing as a Way of Healing: How Telling Our Stories Transforms Our Lives. And um that's not Jennifer's book, but it's one of the books I got introduced to because of her in this conversation. And additionally, it's nice, like I might have described before in some of the previous podcasts, to have conversations with people where I feel like we're just enjoying the precious time we have together. It's not about the listener at all yet. And while we obviously are doing these interviews to share with our community, it starts with us really being together fully and that's something I feel like I got to experience with Jennifer. So I'm really, really happy to have her as a guest in this episode. Jennifer Patterson is a queer and trans-centering, trauma-experienced herbalist, breathwork facilitator, and writer. She offers sliding-scale care as a practitioner through her practice, Corpus Ritual. You can go to her website, corpusritual.com, if you want. I'm going to put that link in the liner notes for the podcast. Her work navigates trauma grief, mental health, and more through harm reduction, somatic, and person-centered lenses. She's the author of The Power of Breathwork, Simple Practices to Promote Well-Being, and editor of the anthology Queering Sexual Violence, Radical Voices from Within the Anti-Violence Movement. And I can't say it enough how much it meant to have this conversation with Jennifer. It was both emotional, uh, just with tears, but also we laughed a lot. And what, how much better can it get than that? So I hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Jennifer Patterson. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I work with a lot of, I mean, I'll first I'll talk about, you know, my own, my own experience is that I've experienced um, a lot of abuse in my life, in childhood, sexual assault, physical assault, resulting in um, like fractured ribs. I mean, like some big, some big stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> that's impacted me. Um, so, you know, I came into this work first as a person who needed it for myself and um, you know, I was operating outside of a lot of mainstream systems of support and care just because I had already gone down all the roads of like therapists, medications, 
you know, all the, all the quote unquote traditional routes, at least in, in this country. And, um, they weren't working, you know, like they weren't getting me where I needed to go. And so I started doing healing work because these were things that supported me on like a very deep level. And, you know, I'm pretty open and vocal about the abuse I've experienced and the substance issues I've had and all the things. So I often work with people that are going through similar stuff and like really struggling. And I think, you know, not every person I work with is like a survivor of childhood abuse or abuse in adulthood, but like a lot are. And, um, you know, as, as survivors, not to like make a myth about all survivors because survivors are not a monolith, but, you know, a lot of us really internalize um, the abuse we've experienced. So, you know, when we... Or when I, you know, often when I would go into healing spaces myself, like I would just assume that I was too much for whoever I was going to see mm. and that they wouldn't be able to help me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they did. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> I was and sometimes I was too much, you know, mm-hmm. or like I got that message back. Mm. And yeah, you know, there's been a number of people that I've worked with who, you know, after after they go through like a breathwork session and they've, you know, because I get I get to hear about like tiny little bits of their experience because so much of it is beyond language and so much of it isn't even for me. You know, like I don't I people like people need to know it for themselves. And so I get little bits. And, you know, often after people are like, wow, like, how do you keep yourself safe? Like, how do you handle all this heaviness from people? And like, for me, like it feels connective, like being with somebody else in the heaviness or the darkness or the like real pain portals. Like I've been there a trillion times. I'm going to be back there more times. I was there so many times this year, you know, and I think we just so many of us, like we really think that we are alone in the pain that we're experiencing or like people couldn't possibly handle it. And that breaks my heart, you know, Mm. like Because a lot of the things that we're navigating, like, you know, our identities might be different or our experiences might be different, but the, the ways these things land in our bodies aren't different, you know, like shame is shame, like anger is anger. Um, And I think there's so much overlap and connection that we can share in spaces with people And, you know, a lot of people come to me too, either alongside going to like traditional therapy work or, you know, after therapists weren't working or after doctors weren't working. And so there's like a, you know, I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot from people where they're like, oh yeah, I've been trying to find a therapist, but like I'm actively suicidal and you know, that's like a red flag for some therapists or, you know, therapists, I've heard therapists talk about like, ah, working with people with personality disorders, quote unquote, you know, is like, it's really difficult. And they're like really difficult clients. And I'm like, okay, so then like, if Mm. like, like, so then where should we be going? You know, like, who Mm -hmm. do we, who do we go to then? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I really appreciate that. There's a version of that that I experienced this morning. I know the person someone would say mm-hmm. is too big. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that, but I just know that inclination. And I really find myself first not trying to respond to that person like you're so you're unique because you definitely belong here, you know, overdoing it. Yeah. But just really trying to create the sort of communication and listening that is simply the opening, the yeah. reminder that you belong. And and even noticing that the thing that maybe we experience in this person as being really big, mm. it it loses its its magnitude because yeah. the listening in the container lets it be. So it doesn't have to be screaming or yelling or fighting or you does that does that resonate with you? Totally. I mean, that's like, that's coming, my experience personally and working with people is coming from people who haven't been heard, you know, mm-hmm. like, who, or, or haven't felt like they've been heard. So like, of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and yeah, like being, being in it with someone is kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a good reminder that like in the right space, you know, both practitioner or person coming to see the practitioner like if we're both in the right space like it it, that's where the work can happen and and of course you know sometimes things don't 
work, you know? Mm -hmm, And like, and then that's where we have to like, we have to find ways to support them in other ways, make recommendations, things like that, you know? But like to just like have this blanket statement of like, (laughs) it's so, I'm just like, damn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. (laughs) And I like the idea. This is the risk of being in the space. It's not always going to work. The point is that we're saying yes anyway. And in fact, maybe even because it doesn't always work. I want to I want to be in that. Yeah. I want to know what to do next when it doesn't work. I want to know what to do instead. Yeah. I want to that my life is feels like a version of and it sounds like you've had your own experience of this, but this like how do I create meaning out of that thing that just happened that sure felt like it wasn't supposed to be or shouldn't have been or doesn't work, but it still occurred. And so what's what can I get next? What can I get to next then? Yeah. Um because it happened. Yeah. Yep. You say, you may have already, we're going to do the bullet list thing where you tell me like, can we move on from that? I don't really want to talk about that. Or I already kind of talked about that. Um, But you said, get as big as it wants. Talking about darkness, get, let the darkness get as big as it wants. That's your words. And I'm wondering if you've already spoken to that just now, Mm -hmm. or if there's more to say, because I'm trying, I think the way I want to kind of visit that is, do you say that literally to someone? Maybe not like, hey, listen, let the darkness get as big as it wants. But what does that invitation sound like in maybe literally the space you hold? How do you offer that invitation to someone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do literally say that sometimes, Mm. because I think, you know, I mean, this is more for the work I do with breath work. It's like, you know, in in the type of breath work that I facilitate, it's a pretty active, quicker paced, um, open mouth breath. So it tends to just bring up a lot to the surface. And, you know, usually it's like stuff we know, like stuff we either know and maybe don't want to navigate or mm. like stuff we know and have been navigating for a long time, but we get to maybe feel it a bit differently in this, you know, this like embodied practice. And a lot of time, like emotion will bubble up for people. And also for me, like I do this all the time when I work with a practitioner where like, I have to be reminded to like, let my emotion come out because so many of us, I think are used to pushing things down. So, you know, and like that, and in some ways, like pushing things down meant safety, you know, like if I didn't have any emotion or if I was like tough, then like, cool, like no one's going to fuck with me. But like, the emotion needs to come out, you know, mm-hmm. like we need to get it up and out. So yeah, it's something that I say often in sessions where I can, I can notice that somebody is still, you know, keeping, keeping it in. And of course, like nothing I say in session is like what people have to do, but like offering the invitation of letting something get really big, you know, like sometimes people just having the invitation, they're able to do it, you know? And and then it gets up and out. And like, it doesn't mean that like the shit that we just felt is never going to return, but like, it does mean that it like, it was loosened a bit and it was like witnessed by somebody else and it wasn't shut down. So yeah, that's usually what I try to share. episode of the podcast. I just ate some chocolate. So fitting that I talked to you a little bit about our sponsor, Coracao chocolate. I ate one of the salted caramel bars. It's got cashew butter caramel. It's 81% dark chocolate. I'm probably going to start talking really fast any minute, (laughs) any minute now. 81% dark chocolate filled with sumptuous whipped cashew butter caramel and flakes of Bali pyramid salt, sweetened with coconut tree flower nectar and Peruvian low glycemic syrup. If you need to hear anything else, fine. I'm going to say a little more. But if you're already hooked, go to coracaochocolate.com. That's C-O-R-A-C-A-O, coracaochocolate.com. And load up on chocolate in your shopping cart. And then when prompted, enter chocolate20. That's our code, okay? Use that code and you'll get 20% off of everything you buy. Chocolate20. That's at curacaochocolate.com. But I want to talk a little bit about the ingredients 
okay? I'm gonna rattle some of this off. It's important that you suddenly just glaze over in your eyes, salivate in your mouth, forget everything you're doing, and then go to your computer after I'm done and just like a zombie, a chocolate-seeking zombie, order some Coracal chocolate to experience it for yourself. They source certified organic Criollo cacao from Ecuador and Peru. Criollo is a rare, ancient, and flavorful cacao. Only 3 to 5% of the world's cacao is Criollo, making it a true treasure. They sweeten their chocolate with coconut sugar, one of the world's most sustainable sweeteners. Coconut sugar is the sweet nectar of the coconut tree flower blossom. The nectar is drained from the coconut tree flower bud every three months. This is real. After the nectar is collected, it's kettle boiled to evaporate the moisture and gently ground into fine golden crystals. And studies have shown coconut sugar to be 48% lower on the glycemic index than cane sugar. And they choose local organic almonds from Kashiwase Farms located in Winton, California. Kashiwase practices sustainable farming that supports local honeybee populations. They take those almonds, soak, sprout, and dehydrate them for an incredibly nutrient-dense crunch. And finally, they stone grind all their own chocolate and nut butters in-house. There's so much more to say. And you'll have to listen to old episodes or listen to episodes to come to hear more. But really, what else do you need to hear? Just go to curacaochocolate.com, C-O-R-A-C-A-O, chocolate.com. Use our code chocolate20 and find out for yourself. So I asked Jennifer if she wouldn't mind using a little moment in this episode to offer a little bit of what she does for you, our listener, a little breath work for you to engage in, in the middle of an episode, in the middle of a day, in the middle of a life, hopefully something that gives you a little of what you need right now. And maybe something you can tap into in the future if you need it then too. So I'd love to invite you to do a little breath work with me. Try it out. See if you like it. See how it feels. A um, couple things to share before we get too into it. You know, breath work is an active form of meditation. It's a, a conscious way of being with our breath. Our breath is unconscious. It happens all the time. Um, this is a way of bringing presence and attention to it in service of feeling some things. And so, you know, knowing that, knowing that coming into our bodies is difficult at times, um, or maybe we feel really disconnected or dissociated or far away, disembodied all the things, um, that's okay. And if you feel any of that while you're breathing, like just let yourself be with it a little bit if you can. If you need to stop the breath, stop the breath. Um, but wherever you are, wherever you are right now, I'd love to invite you to just get somewhere comfortable physically for your body. Maybe that's laying down, maybe that's sitting up, grab a pillow, a blanket, whatever you might need once you're ready. Um, I invite you to just close your eyes if that feels supportive. If it feels better to kind of track the room a little bit, get a sense of things, have your eyes open, feel free to do that as well. Do whatever feels right for you and feel free to change it at any point too. So get a timer, grab a phone or something, and I invite you to try this out for three to five minutes. So just staying radically present to your breath as it moves through your body. Anytime you feel yourself pull away, just come back, pull away, come back. Just this like gentle return allowance of being distracted sometimes and returning. Stay with whatever your mental, emotional, physical experiences are offering you. There's no wrong direction and nothing fancy to do except be with your breath. So I'm gonna invite you to take a long inhale in with me through the nose. 
it helps to feel your body a little bit while you're breathing, feel free to have your hands on your, like below the ribs, around your diaphragm, abdomen. And through the nose, taking a long inhale in. And then out through the mouth. And they might be a little shallow in the beginning. A lot of us breathe up in our chest, so just dropping it a little bit lower for this. So then in again through the nose. Allowing your diaphragm up to your chest and heart space to expand and then out. And then in. And then out. I'm gonna stop that breath on my end, but keep yours going. No need to pause in between the breath, just letting the breath really flow in this big circular kind of expression. So coming in, letting it get bigger, feeling the edges of your ribs, feeling the edges of your diaphragm, your heart space, that expansive breath, and then releasing it all out, letting it all go. And just keeping that breath going for a little bit. As we get a little deeper in, I'll share a bit more, but for now, just staying with your breath. just allowing the breath to awaken as much aliveness in you as you can. Let it call back your energy to you. When we drop into this breath, we are just deeply in it, deeply in our bodies. Sometimes that is hard and painful. If tears are already here and you're feeling some big feels, just let them move through. And just keeping the breath going for the next minute or so, I'm going to say a few things out loud. I'm going to invite you to say them to yourself out loud, whatever makes sense for the space you're in. And this is about coming back to ourselves as complex humans. I do not have to perform perfection for anyone, especially not myself. I do not have to perform perfection for anyone, especially not myself. Just feel how that lands. I do not have to hold steady 24 hours a day. I do not have to hold steady 24 hours a day. Notice the parts of you that are like, hell yeah, I don't. And the other parts that are like, not too sure yet. Just holding them with tenderness in the breath. Next one, I do not have to sacrifice myself for any friend, client, lover, teacher, family member, boss, community member, and fill in your own blank. I do not have to sacrifice myself for any fill in the blank. I am allowed to make mistakes. That's a sticky one. See where that lands. See where it bounces off. Just keeping that long, slow inhale and exhale going. And the last one, I'm allowed to be a messy, imperfect human. I am so incredibly complex that it can all exist at once. I'll say that one more time. I'm allowed to be messy, imperfect, and human. I am so incredibly complex that it can all exist at once. Just letting all that land, all of that settle. 
the ding for the timer might have gone off already for you, depending on what you set it for. But if you're still waiting and you're still breathing, if you closed your eyes, slowly open them back up. If you kept them open, maybe just blink once or twice. Offer some gratitude to yourself for trying a thing, giving yourself some space and attention. And see if you can even make a vow to bring a little bit back with you, that conscious breathing to your day, your week. Anytime you feel called, feel free to try it out. And it can be really great with writing too. So feel free to try it before you're getting into some writing work. But thank you. Thanks for trying that out. Yeah, I mean, my 20s, I'm almost, I'll be 40 this year. And like my 20s and early 30s were, um, there was a lot of alcohol use. And I found my way to AA because uh, it was court mandated. <laughs> and mm. that's how I got into that space. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I got a DUI um, in my later 20s. And, um, I got it in Pennsylvania, in my hometown, which is even, I, I don't, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure people will just get that. I don't need to go yes. too much further. Yes. Um, so, you know, I had to go back for these like state mandated classes and I also had to start going to AA and a few years or no, sorry, a few months later, which like none of that stopped my drinking is what I want to say. Um, and in in fact, I think my drinking got uh, worse for the months after that. Um, and, you know, I was like having to take a bus because I, you know, I lost my license. So I like had to take a bus back to Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and like drinking on the bus and, you know, all the things. So um, I started dating someone a few months later, though, that was sober and had been sober for a couple of years and so, um, you know, I started going to AA with her as well as like a, as a support person and also support for myself. And I think, you know, there are things that I appreciated about being in the rooms and like there was always a little nugget of something that I got that I felt supported by. Um, but it wasn't enough for me. And like I, you know, at that time, certainly my desire to drink was driving some of it, but like I didn't want to quit drinking forever. Um, what I needed was like more healing <laughs> around the trauma I had experienced and the ways that the abuse was still kind of like rip tiding through my life. And um, so I didn't, you know, I, I, I was there, but I wasn't there too long and it wasn't a place that I went to for care or healing. Um, and then kind of alongside that, I started working with plants out of a necessity because I didn't have health insurance and I had kidney stones and I had mental health stuff. I wanted to try to, I just wanted other options. Like I wanted to try to see what that could feel like outside of like medication. Cause also at the time I was being extremely mismanaged by a psychiatrist and on far too much medication. Um, and so that kind of brought me to herb work. And from there, I would say the deepest work that I've done for my healing has been with um, psychedelics and, and theogens and plant medicine. And so, you know, I think that things are changing a little bit, but those like healing, healing my substance issues with another substance wasn't something that was very accepted when I was first starting out. Sure. So, yeah. And you do kind of delineate between the psychedelic and the non-psychedelic plant medicine. I'm wondering how likely that connects to expanded states of consciousness. And if there's specifically experienced, then there's a way I feel like how I have been with my, in my journey, how plant medicine mushroom specifically mm. helped me shed parts of my life that I needed help shedding yeah. certainly helped me open up to the loss of my mom in ways that I don't think anything else would have helped yeah. me. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about maybe specifically like expanded states of consciousness in relationship with the plant medicine and, yeah. and out of your own experience into maybe what you offer others or support others in seeking yeah. and finding with that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think all plants can connect us to that because, you know, if we're working with a plant, whether we're ingesting it or using it topically or even just sitting with a plant, like we're, we're bringing our consciousness to another consciousness. And I think it magnifies, <laughs> you know, it gets bigger. Um, and, you know, breathwork is certainly a practice of that as well. And yeah, all plants live in that land for me. Um, and, you know, like certainly psychedelics and entheogens are... Um, might be a little easier to feel, <laughs> feel the, the expanded consciousness that happens. Um, but yeah, that, I mean that, you know, those in particular psychedelics and entheogens, those have been places where like, yeah, I could feel way more deeply. Um, and I could feel more deeply with like less barriers and walls and all of the things that I had built up to kind of protect me from feeling deeply. Um, and yeah, I mean, I kind of came into it a real newbie because I had had so much struggle around alcohol. Like I was smart enough to not like give myself other substances during that time. I just was like, nah, we're just doing alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I came to psychedelics, it was a very different experience because I was coming really consciously and I was coming with the intention to be, be with the things that I hadn't been with or hadn't been able to be with and to be with them a bit more embodied. So yeah, a lot of the work that I've been able to do personally has been about being with the really hard stuff and like feeling it on a somatic level, like having the understanding of how I felt as a child. Um, you know, a lot of, I've done a lot of like work with my ancestors as well with different medicines and, you know, just tracing the lineage of harm in both like <laughs> white white people white supremacy like my my ancestors and also the ways that like that has has harmed my ancestors and how the harm gets passed down and like how I've experienced harm by people that I'm related to and how that that harm doesn't just stop with me and you know <laughs> trying to untangle my own impulse or like familiarity with the harm I've experienced and trying to do as little harm as possible with other people, you know, knowing that harm is always happening and even in our best intentions, it still happens. So yeah, just a deeper way of being, being with myself, I think, and also like being with the world, like being with the bigger world that's outside of me. Thank you. Yeah. One, one thing that I know we've just likely, or you've touched on throughout all of this is the state of, of depression. And I know you, you very specifically mention it in something that you would want to talk about, unless you think all the things we've shared sort of hold that particular emotion mm. or part of life or state in life. Um, like all the others grief and but 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 i want to give you a chance to speak to it directly if there's more that you want to say both out mm. of likely your own experience with depression um but also i'm sure tending to others and their depression yeah for sure yeah i mean i think up until i worked with the first psychedelic i worked with like i just assumed that um the depression, the like chronic, ongoing, never ending depression I experienced from childhood on was just my like resting state. I was like, this is just how I am. I'm mm. just a depressed person. I'm just like a negative person, you know, like, which sometimes I still get caught up in, you know, both the depression and feeling like feeling the like shame around again, being too much or feeling too much. Um, and you know, the depression, was heavy, you know, like I think, and I think, you know, with my work with other people and with myself, I think that again, coming back to like suicidality and like suicidal ideation, it's like, you know, sometimes when we're depressed, like that, that feels like an option. And sometimes we're like too depressed to even like have that as an option. And I think <laughs> there's a real fear around talking about, you know, not wanting to be here sometimes. And yeah. I think that like not wanting to be here I think is a pretty common experience. I would imagine most people don't want to be here in this world sometimes. And, you know, whether it's going further with it and making plans or something, certainly I'm not trying to like dismiss the severity or intensity of those feelings, but like just normalizing a bit, like yes. <laughs> that it's like, okay to like 
be struggling like because like leave like wanting to leave or wanting to like be done with life doesn't come out of like well I you know it's a great life things are going really well I'm ready to like (laughs) it comes out of generally not (laughs) (laughs) deep suffering that like feels unsustainable and you know it might be it might be unsustainable if we can't get support and care and And if we also can't, like, I think that that's something that psychedelics really offered me and like what helped shift my depression was like, it gave me back some agency, like it gave me back, um, like a presence in my own healing. And I think, I think that's the only way that healing works is like when we have some ownership over it or a lot of, or all the ownership, you know, like Mm. we need to, we need to be able to like call up that will to live, um, within ourselves, like we can't, it can't come from somebody else. It can't come from someone telling us that we have to, or that we have to like feel better or change our relationship to a thing that's helping us stay alive or whatever, you know? So, yeah, I think it's, I, I'm, I definitely feel depression plenty all the time. You know, I think my relationship to it is a just, just a bit different. Um, than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, I think it makes sense to me. I think the things that I've experienced in my life, like it makes sense that I would feel depressed, you know, Mm -hmm. or like that I would struggle. And I think for me, so much of the struggle for so long was like not making sense to myself. Like Mm. I just was, or just, you know, like minimizing to what I had experienced and being like, well, you know, it's not, you know, whatever, which I think is a thing that so many of us do. We like compare these horrible things we've lived through as like, you know, not as intense as somebody else or something. Hmm. Yeah. I have a real tender, the way you tenderly put that about your understanding, your depression in relationship to what you've been through, just really, um, I find that really touching and Hmm. yeah, that the possibility for people is that they can relate to your, relate to their own depression as making sense yeah. and in a way being okay somehow. I'm not sure that's the perfect yeah. or right, right yeah. best wording, but like you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we need to find places where we can remember that, you know, like mm-hmm. that's something that I felt the first time I did breath work, it was in a group I was really concerned about doing it. Like I, you know, I was someone who quote unquote, like thought I didn't know how to breathe and like was bad at breathing. And, you know, like, again, like the trauma that I had experienced left my nervous system in hypervigilance and like a holding pattern. And in breath work, the first time I did it, I was able to like, just for like a split second, feel into a part of myself that knew that I was okay and that I was gonna be okay. And I mean, I'm talking about, it was like a flash of a second, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was enough, you know, because like before that, I actually didn't believe that, you know, like I didn't believe that I was going to be okay. I like couldn't find it in myself. So I needed that, that little flash. And Hmm. like when we find those little moments of survival or being able to continue to survive, like then we got to make them bigger, (laughs) you know, we got to like expand them. We have to keep doing the things that helped us find, find that little glimmer. And, you know, the work, the work continues. (laughs) Catch a boat to England, baby, maybe to Spain. Wherever I've gone, wherever I've been and gone, wherever I've gone, the blues are all the same. Send out for whiskey, baby, send out for gin, be in room service, honey, be in room service, babe. Me and room service where we're living the life of sin And I'm not drinking, baby, you are on my mind And I'm not sleeping, honey, 
So that lovely Nick, what is going on? Are you recording? <laughs> God, after such a lovely track, just to have you bashing about. Uh, sorry, everybody. Nick's putting pillows up. He's trying to set right. up his recording environment. Okay, just okay. That beautiful song <laughs> that totally calmed you down and and bringing you into the moment and out of this episode was "Blues Run the Game" by the singer and the songwriter. It's a cover, and um, Jackson Frank, I think, is the original artist and author of the song. But the singer and the songwriter are Rachel Garcia and Dude Tran, and um, two is our secretary of our 501c3 nonprofit, and Rachel is a board member and a lot of, they're both a lot of things, and so nice to get their really lovely song in your ears they're both a lot <laughs> they're a lot they're they're a lot you guys you're gonna hear them on here eventually they're gonna be guests nick how's the bashing about going <laughs> i've almost got this velociraptor tied down <laughs> yeah. just one more claw you, and i'll get him you got this buddy yeah put him to sleep you got this it's the you know right before bedtime it's the hardest with these with these dinosaurs. I know they're wily ones. So how was that episode for you, Nick Jana? Yeah, well I I I did take one of her uh, breath work classes, workshops and had a kind of similar experience that she describes of of her first experience doing it of um struggling with it, feeling like god, I don't even know how to breathe. Like you go through this whole process of like breathing should be the simplest thing to do or to just be conscious about it. Um, and to feel like I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. Is everyone else doing this right? You know? And then for like two seconds near the end, just getting to this point of like, oh, this, this is it. I'm in this pattern. I'm in this uh, rhythm with it. And wow, this is amazing. You know? And then it was over. <laughs> um, but it was really inspiring. You know, I think a lot of it is just this liberation of feeling like I always like to feel we have the tools for our own healing inside of us. And if we can work with just breath to deal with these you know this grief that ravages our bodies it's just a really just in that self just that knowledge is really liberating to feel like i can access this i can go to essentially the doctor of my own body whenever i want and it doesn't cost anything and i can get there you know mm. so I, I was really inspired by that yeah i not that everyone can write or read in the world but i think about writing similarly as a way to 
to for most people to access and express themselves and engage with trauma and healing. Did you do like writing that she does in some of her workshops or was it mainly breath focused? This one was just breath, but obviously, you know, I teach writing workshops like you and I feel similarly like writing isn't just a means to get on the bestseller list. It is a tool that everyone should feel that they can use to process things, to communicate, um, to talk with dead relatives, to rectify things, you know, like it, it, it's a wonderful tool that gets also tied up in, um, you know, ideas of success and proving something and cleverness, you know, with the breath, I think it gets tied up. I, I know. I feel like I've went through this when I was like learning how to sing and taking singing lessons, like, God, how is it so hard to just have one easy breath <laughs> mm. and have it be smooth? But it, in every breath you kind of go through this whole journey of your whole life you know your whole anything that you're holding on to anything that's catching you you'll feel it in every breath in some way and so it is wonderful to to work on that i remember experiencing that and getting so frustrated with singing like i can't just hold a note <laughs> mm. it always wavers it always gets choked off but i'm like holding on to something i'm clenching mm. wow that's cool what a way to describe that um thanks yeah <sighs> oh wow Ooh. everybody take a breath uh we just talked for nine minutes about what we were going to talk about and i'm just at a total <laughs> loss <laughs> right now uh of what going, going oh. back to school kids oh yeah going back to school. oh yeah yeah i talk in the beginning of the episode this very episode about my daughter so you've you've experienced a bit of that lately yeah, our young Otis is going back to school. He's so excited. He's a he's a everything that I'm not in terms of social <laughs> aptitude and energy and capacity. You know, he loves meeting people. We'll be on the on at a park and someone will just be bicycle. A kid will come bicycling across and he'll just run after them. And be like, "Hi, what's your name? What are you up to?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas As like, they're in motion, already. Leaving. When I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the Velociraptors. Who's that? Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was the one running away from <laughs> anyone asking me, like, what's your name? I was like, uh, yeah. Just ignore them. Yeah. Um, so he's so stoked to go back to school. And, it, you know, it is limited and it's, like, challenging. But, I mean, God bless the teachers and everybody trying to make this work and being positive about it. Yeah. And just coming up with this system, like, that they never thought they had to do when they got into teaching mm -hmm. um and trying to i'm sure um you know take care of uh, hundreds of people's concerns and different iterations of fear and whatever you know like th they're they're doing it i'm just impressed yeah yeah me too and and really feeling the the being able to get even a taste in this whole year of being together in a classroom i mean we we're so close to our kids missing a chance to literally be in a physical space with the teachers that they got in this year, this school year of their life and feeling that they deserve that. Uh, no matter how complicated or limited or how much there is still to figure out, uh, even just that exciting fact of this stage feels really, really important just for that. Yeah, they hadn't met their teachers yeah. all year. right. <laughs> I was joking yeah. with my son that w what would he think if he walked in the classroom and his teacher was just like a foot tall, you know, like you see, he's seen her. I've thought of that. Like all these people Zoom. we've met, yeah. met on zoom only. It's like one thing you can't know no. is their height. No, you can't. I mean, even build everything two dimensionally is mm -hmm. just not accurate. Yeah. I've run into people that I'm like, well, yeah, I think your height's definitely I guess what I would have expected, but it's still <laughs> jarring just to be in person with that part of a human that you have a height because on, on Zoom, you just it's not even a thing. Your height isn't a thing that is occurring <laughs> between you. It's a heightless medium. Uh huh. And then when I just imagine like if his teacher was just only a foot tall, I was just like looking up at him like, welcome to class. Oh, we had a good laugh about it. <laughs> um, and I don't know, she may be a foot tall, so no offense, uh, Miss Becca, if you're out there mm -hmm. listening, um, if you're a foot tall, I'll do respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are our, what's our favorite way of supporting the podcast today, <laughs> Nick, that we want to talk about? I, I've been wanting to say that like, really, we do so much 
to get these podcasts in the world. You do so much, Nick. We both do a lot. And Curacao, props to them for supporting us doing this podcast. I think you and I both agree, like we want to keep doing it, but it it's not like it's rolling in the dough and has all the financial support that it it really needs. And so I, I've been feeling lately like, yeah, go do a go do a review and how we say these things. Go like check out the Patreon and become a patron. Like it's a matter of fact opportunity and offer and sure it supports what we do. But I actually want to be a little more urgent about it. I, and I'll and I'll speak to the Patreon option specifically. And then you can tell me how you feel, but, but it's simple that that is such a definitive way to show support for this podcast and what it means to you to commit even a dollar a month through our Patreon page to become a patron and say, yeah, I want more of these and whatever you're doing, all the work you do, like I want to throw something at that and make sure that you have the support, even if it's a fraction of what it actually requires to bring these episodes into the world. Because uh, it does, it requires so much. Even a little bit means a lot. Yeah, and and think about this, listeners. You know, I know there's a lot of like monthly subscriptions that we're all managing now, and we're like, oh man, is there going to be another one of these? Um, but just think about like the the impact of of on tangible people. Like when you when you give twelve dollars or whatever to Netflix because you're watching. Uh, uh, what do you watch? Emily wait. in Paris. <laughs> Is that what you want? You're, you're going to go with Emily in Paris. Okay. No, what did I watch recently? Like a, like a heart, art heist documentary. Ooh, you know? Okay. You watch that. Um, I, well, maybe this is a bad example, but like, I'm sure those people get supported in doing what they do, but like that, that money gets divided up. Yeah. A it's not ways, direct. Right? Whereas this is like mostly two people doing this podcast. It's you and me. And yeah, you giving a dollar. I'm just speaking to the people who think like, oh, what does a dollar matter? Like a dollar actually does help us make this happen. And we're trying to we put this out every other week. So it's like two a month, you know, like there, there's, a, there's a good amount of work going into these episodes. And it is appreciated to know that this is a viable thing to just spend our time and block off that time. Like you're doing a lot of work you know, reaching out to more and more guests and like reaching out of our circles to like find, you know, you know just other guests to talk to and um it's great so i'm just i would just say like it does help like literally a dollar a month that yeah that helps yeah i mean it's 12 dollars for a year just to do the math for everybody yeah i i think so (laughs) i should you know what let's just stick with the dollar a month means a lot let's not get ahead of ourselves we not go to the 10 month uh, metric i'm not i'm actually having looked online lately so let's just say a dollar a month does so much if anything it's a vote for the podcast to let us know you're out there and you're listening that's huge because the way i always put it is you know what we're not going to stop doing this i don't see (laughs) i don't see that happening anytime soon let's say uh nick is that i'm sorry do you agree you're laughing (laughs) Are you? <laughs> oh no! It just sounded like vaguely like a threat. Yeah, it is. It is kind of threatish. It's urgent. It. I thought maybe you're laughing as you're like, "Well, I actually wanted to use this moment to let you know <laughs> I won't be helping with the podcast next month." No, um, no. so we're going to keep doing it, but and we're going to do it no matter what because we care about it and we think it matters. But it 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 would be so nice to get more help, and so that's it. That's the end of that. Let's get off our collective soapbox, and thank you, listeners for listening we wouldn't we wouldn't uh wouldn't be doing this without you that's that's actually the most important message we want you to get like we 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 love creating this little container to send our guests and our creative output into the world but you know it depends on you being there to receive it so thank you for listening if you've made it this far in this episode especially thanks to you okay until next time, bye bye. <laughs> I'm just trying out. I'm trying out different <laughs> endings. Is that all right? <laughs> I can see it on your face as you're doing it. You're just like, eh, eh, eh. Bye bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>